Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Surprisingly, was a show called True Detective. It was the first season. Anybody y'all know that show? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It starred Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. And I say surprisingly because it starred Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, that, that's either a recipe for, uh, uh, you know, brilliance or a recipe for a complete train wreck. And thank God it was a former. And the most touching scene for me happened in the end of the show, right? Rust, which is Matthew McConaughey, and, and Marty, who is uh, Woody Harrelson, they're detectives. And they had to travel uh, this, this long and dark road, both metaphorically uh, and literally, uh, into our human nature and into the world to bring justice um, to uh, these awful crimes that were committed by a villain. And they had just basically uh, come out of a really intense and violent standoff with this villain. And, and Rust is recovering in the hospital. And this scene, it starts, he, he's, he's wheeling out uh, in his wheelchair, right? And, and Woody, or Marty, is coming uh, to visit him. And Really, Russ just wants to take a smoke, and if you've watched the show, he's, he's very, um, he's like a philosopher. He's always talking about really deep things throughout the show. That's what makes it so good, I think. Um, but he starts, he goes, you know, I, I tell you, Marty, I've been up in that room looking out those windows every night just thinking, it's one story, the oldest. And of course, Marty walks up and it's like, well, what's that? And uh, well, light, light versus dark. Marty goes, well, well, I know it ain't Alaska, Russ, but, but it appears to me that the dark has a lot more territory. And Russ kind of was like, yeah, you know, you're, you're right about that. And at this point, Russ insists that, that Marty help him up from the wheelchair because he wants to escape the hospital. He's tired of the hospital food and all that sort of thing. But as they're walking out to the car, Russ, Russ stops and they're, they're looking at the night sky one last time. And he said, you know, you're looking at it wrong, the sky thing. And Marty goes, well, how's that? And Russ goes, well, once there was only dark. If you ask me, the light's winning. And it's a, it's a beautiful perspective. And it's one reminiscent of a theme that we find in the Gospel of John. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. You see, a glance at the night sky can uh, reveal the true nature of the lights that govern the darkness. They, they illumine, they give light to all the dark places. So our scripture reading today, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I think this passage is ultimately hinting at a particular way that we are to be in the world. Jesus says, you, you 
are the light of the world. And in context, Jesus is borrowing an image that would have been very familiar to the Jewish audience that was right in front of him as he was giving the Sermon on the Mount, right? And it comes from Isaiah. I want, you to, I want to read a little bit of that. It says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. And, okay, that's great, Isaiah, but what does that mean? Well, Isaiah goes on. He says, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. This is actually a terrifying thought because the implication is that as bearers of this light, of this gift from Christ, we are called not just casually, but vocationally to go intentionally into the dark places of our world. And I want to dwell on this for just a moment because the thing that comes to mind is how Christianity has manifested itself in popular culture. I'm thinking of the, uh, the Christian movie or the Christian song or Christian art, and I, I should start with a personal confession. Every time that I hear the word Christian being used as a qualifier, I usually almost automatically always think that whatever it's qualifying is bad. Like, not well made, predictable, corny, song, art, or movie, whatever it actually is. And I'm not just a critic, okay? I've thought deeply about these things. And, and I've, I've identified that I think part of the problem is that as Christians, we want to make Christian anything, something that's always happy, right? It's part of that, that feel-good mantra that we have uh, that goes around in our culture, okay? We need to feel good, and we need to feel happy about everything. And any religion or belief system that does not promote that ideal is inherently a bad one. There's actually a name for this type of morality. It's called moral therapeutic deism, the goal of our lives is to feel good, to be nice to others, right? And if we do that, we will be comfortable and we'll go to heaven with all the other nice and comfortable people that did stuff on earth. The problem is that that view doesn't quite, it doesn't actually bear witness to the full spectrum of the human experience. It doesn't bear witness to the, the, the darkness the reality of the darkness that is actually in our lives, right? Our highs, yes, but also our lows. Okay? Our victories and also our failures. Our joys and our sorrows. It's as if we decided that the Christian witness can only operate in the good and happy times. But no friction arises from this type of witness. Nothing of substance that gives a spark to a dark world. No. That's not the light 
that we are to embody. That's not the light that Isaiah actually describes here, right? It's not just something subtle and warm and gentle. It's not the warm glow that we conveniently, those light bulbs that we conveniently buy at Home Depot or Lowe's, right? It's the streak of lightning across a dark sky that pierces the darkness, opening the eyes that are blind, bringing out the prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison, those who are sitting in darkness. The very essence of the light that we are to embody, its defining characteristic is most powerfully received when it breaks the darkness, when it emerges from the dark tapestry of our lives. When our good works are enacted, not only in safe places, or places that are well-lit and groomed, but in those dark places in which nobody else will venture. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. It sounds straightforward, but there's this really annoying part that, that always gets me at the end. And give glory to your Father in heaven. In what other context are we typically okay with another person taking credit for the things that we do, particularly if they're good things? But the scripture here is kind of funny. Glory is actually a funny word. Glory, doxa, in the Greek, it quite literally means to ascribe, to give weight by recognizing real substance or value. And this almost seems too obvious, okay? But as we venture into these dark places, our good works should reflect the fact that God is a real force in our lives. Not only in our corporate lives, here is a worshiping body or, or a Sunday attendance or, you know what, all the places that people expect us to be holy and Christian anyway, but in the moments and in the places in our lives that are not seen by others. Are our personal journeys in these dark places motivated or animated by real substance? Christ. You see, we can't bring light to others if God does not have an actual place in our personal lives. We often speak of us as a mirroring Christ. The Apostle Paul talks about this in one of his epistles. We often speak of ourselves as mirrors. And I think this is close to the truth. But unfortunately, a lot of our focus almost exclusively gets shifted to what we are projecting onto others. We tend to think of our projecting or our reflecting like a still photo. If we can just capture that one moment in time, that one happy moment that, that others can look at and think well of us. And the, the problem is that, that it doesn't do justice uh, to what a mirror actually does. You see, a mirror is not only continually reflecting, but a mirror is actually continually receiving the image in which it wishes to project. 
God desires to be real in our lives. And to some, this may be a shocking thing to realize. I don't blame you because it's God we're talking about. Capital G, capital O, capital D, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the most powerful being in which we can possibly conceive. And yet, by analogy, we as humans desire for our existence, our presence to mean something to those around us. And how do we know that others are taking us seriously? Well, usually, their actions ascribe value to the reality of our presence. Right? When we take time to check in with people. When you take time to maybe send that, that text message or that email or that phone call that you've been thinking about doing, just to let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you. Everything okay? Anything, uh, anything we can go do together? In other words, when you let another know that they are part of your normal life, it should make, make sense then that God, in whose image we are crafted, would desire something very similar. For our lives to be the light that God intended them to be, and not a light that shines merely for ourselves, God needs to have an active role in your life. And this is just one of the ways, one of the ways to keep Christ in front of us is to set aside a daily time of prayer. It can be as little as five minutes, five minutes a day. But I have found that it is best to do it before you do anything else in your day. Before you reach to your bedside, pick up that phone, start scrolling the newsfeed, before you send a message to that person that you've been meaning to send a message to that you just stressed about all night, or before you answer the messages that came during the night, or before you open up that laptop and get stressed about all the emails you just received about all those things. Let everything be a result of that initial, that first moment that you are spending with God. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And I think we get intimidated by the great works that we see go on around us. Pastor Matt, what, what are five minutes? I mean, that person over there is praying for an hour. I, I can't do that. You know, and I, I saw those folks go on the mission trip the other day. It, was, it looks great, but I, I can't go on one of those missions. I can't afford it. I, I can't get off work uh, for enough time to do that. The result is, is usually uh, inactivity. What happens when we don't do anything? Nothing happens. But the famous theologian, Gandalf the Grey, he once said, I have found that it is the small, everyday deed of ordinary folks that keeps the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. When we continually measure our good works against the good work of another, it ceases to be about God's work in our individual lives. But I believe that when, when God, when God becomes the central focus of our lives, that one image that we continually embody, 
I believe that we will stop worrying about our glory. Those things that give weight to our, our victories, our, our expectations, we'll stop worrying about our place on the totem pole. And small acts of kindness and love will extend from us because of the image that is Christ that we are holding at the center of our mirrors. Maybe even more importantly, this light that we are carrying into these dark places, no matter how much territory that darkness seems to have, they won't be extinguished because they're rooted in a greater light. And the light is winning. A light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Let's pray. Oh, holy God, we give you thanks for the great light that is Christ. Lord, we pray in this space that you provide us the courage to pursue the light that is your son daily. That we hold this light close, that we carry it with us into the world, bringing light, setting prisoners free. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.